Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 Keeping perspective for the weekend warrior. I feel your pain. It's easy to get discouraged by how quickly the pros seem to put down the hardest projects when for two seasons you've worked on the same 12C and still haven't been able to clip the chains. Maybe you're just in too far over your head. Maybe those guys and girls you read about just aren't trying things that are hard enough for them. Maybe, but probably not. I'll use myself as the example here. In the spring of 2010, I took my first run up what was, at that time, the hardest route I'd been on, swing line, 13D. It was simply a free feel, as I like to call it, as I had sent my project for the day. It was my one foray up it for the season, and I continued with the sending spree I was on, completing 10 new 513s, including some of the hardest 13Bs in the red. The following season, autumn of 2010, I dedicated mostly to swing line to no avail. That season, I sent only two new 13s, and in my mind, it bordered on wasted. An entire season of warm, but mostly good weather, and I just couldn't get it done. Skin issues, bad tactics, whatever. At this point, I'd probably been up this damn route 35 times, 8 or 9 times to the final crux and what was now the move fail. Spring of 2011, I made the decision to not lose a season to one route. I dedicated the bulk of my time to other routes, completing a 13C, my first 13D, and a couple of 13As, as well as doing my first not-in-my-backyard 13C that July in Lander, Wyoming. I did visit Swingline a handful of times, raising the attempt tally to somewhere in the neighborhood of 40. Autumn 2011, while mostly a wash for me due to remodeling a house, did provide a few more days to fall off of swing line. Perhaps 10 more tries, and I'd officially been working on this route for a year. Spring of 2012 came quickly, but I finally felt prepared for swing line. Out of the gate, I spent most of my time on the famed Gold Coast Wall, working on a route that routinely gets destroyed by 10-year-olds, God's own stone. When temperatures warmed, I managed quick ascents of Dracula 04 and Cat's Demise, two of the Reds' best and hardest 13Bs. In one of my best climbing days ever, I warmed up on the Force, 13A, casually sending it twice, fell at the high crux of swing line four times, and then finished the day with a surprise second-go send of Second Nature, 13A. It seemed the fitness was there, but I just couldn't make it happen. As summer neared and my fitness dwindled, I discovered new beta that transformed the move from a desperate drive-by to a quarter-pad two-finger pocket into a totally static, can't-fall move. I didn't get there again that season. Shit. Did I blow it? Did I let the chance pass me by? I finished the season with my first 13A flash, and by doing two 13As and a 13B over the course of four days in Lander, my fitness was still good. What the hell happened? At this point, I was definitely pushing 60 on the attemptometer and looking at two years of being thwarted by a single route.
autumn 2012. Knowing it would be too warm early in the season, I spent my time cleaning up a few routes I had tried but never finished. 113A, 113B, a 13C, and some work on a couple of 13Ds, and the temps were getting good. On a particularly cold day in November, with the tri-tally hitting around 70, with only my small crew at the wall, I finally clipped the chains. Two years. The media reported that Adam Ondra only took nine weeks to send La Dura Dura, the then hardest sport route on earth. Nine weeks spread over two years, that is. Adam Ondra is a full-time professional climber, arguably the best in the world. In his own words concerning the length of his La Dura Dura campaign, 70 tries could be somewhere close to the truth. Thanks, Adam, for helping me keep it in perspective. Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Al. Al Bradley. I live in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Um, I'm a bit of an odd bod. I've only been climbing um, since the age of 55. I'm turning 60 in a few months' time. So, um, but I have had an active life, um, martial arts, taekwondo high level for a while and outrigger canoe paddling, funnily enough, for 10 years, competing overseas, Hawaii. Um, and then I got um, stuck stuck um, in a hole with a, a little bit of an injury and I was walking my dogs and I decided that um, this rock face I walked past looked really cool. Mm and um, would be fun to climb. So because I'm a special operations paramedic trained in mountain rescue, I knew ropes. So I set up a top rope solo, funnily enough, for my first climb outside or anywhere actually and climbed this sort of probably grade 12 climb and that was it. Boom. I was addicted. Wow. I had no idea that's how it started. I would <laughs> I would add to that personally that you're also – ridiculously dedicated to trying to get better at this and and I admire that a lot so uh, <laughs> Ziggy how about you yeah hey um, so I'm originally from the UK um, as you can probably tell from my accent I live I, I used to live fairly close to Al and we used to climb quite a lot together I've recently moved to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, uh, kind of motivated by a couple of things, just kind of the expense of living in Sydney, but also um, to find a high school for my uh, for my two daughters as well, because they've kind of reached that age and we were kind of struggling with local high schools. There's actually great climbing around here as well, although it's a lot warmer, so you kind of got to pick your times and you definitely need a kind of somewhere to train in the summer. Um, uh, yeah, I've been climbing kind of on and off for uh, uh, probably since I was about 18, 19, and I'm 48 now. Um, I did kind of stop for about 10 years, I think, at one point. Um, I've also always loved kind of to surf. Um, like you, Chris, you know, I, I kind of grew up skateboarding as well, heaps, and I've, I've kind of brought that into my approach to climbing. I think I've like always based it around... Um, kind of practice more than training, I think. And I know that's something you said before and that really like resonated with me. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to 
what else to tell you, actually. <laughs> well, when you know, when I met you both was on our Australian tour. And uh, Ziggy, I think you had signed up for the workshop in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, one of those workshops. And you had signed up for two spots. One was supposed to be your wife, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> And you and your wife couldn't come, so you brought Al as your wife that night. Yeah, Al as your wife. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of actually kind of like an old married couple sometimes, the two of us. But <laughs> <laughs> we're near as cute as his wife, by the way. No, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure that's true, actually. <laughs> Um, no, I, I I loved it that night. You know, you both digging in, kind of coming from different backgrounds, and and you both just so excited about climbing. And that whole tour actually really has stuck in my mind. But that workshop in particular, um, and and I really loved getting to meet you both and getting to you know talk to you more, Al. I've worked with you in a coaching capacity and. Um, I just, it means so much to me to create those relationships, you know, all the way around the world on the other side of the earth and, and be able to connect with you both now over this thing that I wrote and just sent off into the universe, you know? Yes, it's been really cool. And, and interestingly enough, I really enjoyed, and I, you know, I didn't realize you were doing podcasts at the time. The first time I heard about the Power Company Climbing podcast was when you were introducing yourself at the start of that um, that bouldering um, class lesson seminar that day. And um, so I went searching for the podcast, and then some months later, the um, the room full of superheroes podcast popped up and um, which was one of my favorites I guess it's because they're people I'm familiar with that you were speaking to so um, yeah that started my journey with you and with the podcast um, which is which has made such a big difference to me to be honest I love some of the um, the the board meetings are some of my favorites oh man Al I appreciate that uh, that that episode with that room full of superheroes, uh, the black heathens out in the blueies was, was really special for me. Um, number one, to get to spend time with that crew, um, but also to kind of be let in and see behind the scenes and talk to them about their community. That always feels really special. Um, but that, you know, the, the most of that crew out there gets to climb really often because they, they essentially live right in the middle of all of their climbing, um, which is a, a different situation than, than you and, you know, than a lot of other people. Uh, in, in the situations you two are in now, are you climbing mostly on the weekends um, or having to kind of pick days? And what was it about this weekend warrior chapter that resonated with you? Um, Ziggy, do you want to take this? This is um, yeah, sure. one that resonates mostly with you, I think. Yeah, so my time to to climb is somewhat limited, you know, based around family and uh, work and stuff as well. I'm quite busy, so yeah, like I kind of, it's quite it's quite precious. And when I go out climbing, I, I want to kind of get something done. So I spend quite a lot of time in the past. Like working routes, when when I did have like free time, I could often maybe squeeze in an hour or so of like my contraction, 
rather, you know, work a route and get it dialed rather than, you know, go and waste my friend's time, and my, you know, my climbing time, basically hanging on a rope. So I like to kind of get things dialed in and then go and try and send. Um, and then I kind of went through a process with Al about a year or two ago where I was working a route and it was kind of a, you know, I kind of consider it like a kind of local benchmark and it hadn't had that many repeats. Um, it was actually put up by a friend of ours, um, Claw, who was kind of put up a lot of the hard routes around Sydney back in the sort of 80s. And I was really Mike sorry. Claw. To, <laughs> yeah. Nickname was, Claw. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he, he's a great guy, Chris. I mentioned him to you before, actually. You should, you should try and get him on your podcast sometime because he's a bit of a character. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've read quite a bit of his writing, so yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, so anyway, I was really psyched on kind of doing this route and I put quite a lot of work into it and it just took me quite a long time to actually put it to bed, really. And Al was a big part of that. Are we talking image intensifier now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I must have belayed you. I, I don't know how many times on that in the end. It's quite, it's quite a journey for both of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's very easy to to lose that perspective because if you're a weekend warrior, if you only get a few days a week, a couple of days a week to work on something, those attempts can add up over a really long period of time. You know, so what takes you a year to add up? 40, 50 attempts, whatever it is, a pro climber can get those 40 or 50 attempts done in a, a couple weeks of time, you know, and yeah. we forget about the attempts and we just look at the amount of time it takes. And, and that's, it's mind blowing, you know, we like, why is it taking me this amount of time, but it takes this person only two weeks. Um, but really it's the same amount of attempts. Yeah, and I think it was two things, Chris. One is was kind of like being in and out of condition. So it would take me like a few a few kind of sessions to get back into the right fitness for it because it was quite it was pretty um, for, for me. It was quite sort of like quite hard. It was quite endurance, power endurance based. It was very like the head wall was really crimpy, and I was just basically pumping out on the last couple of moves really. And the other thing was just getting my head in the game as well. Like I'd find it would take me a couple of sessions to actually get comfortable with um, the kind of moves on the head wall and and the last kind of part of it. It was kind of and, and I'd fallen so many times in the same place as well that I was just totally psyched out by that aspect of it as well. Like I just like I kind of always fall here. And the thing actually, one of the things that really helped me was another podcast that you released as well, which was that. The, I think it's the only fingerboard protocol you'll ever need or something from Eva Lopez. And she talked about engaging robot mode. And I think that was actually one of the things that helped me <laughs> was that idea that you just kind of switch off and just do it. You might remember, Ziggy, that um, – and, and this, is where, this is where you belay. This is where you belay. You, you become a team. And uh, you might remember a couple of things on that journey, and one was – I suggested that you skip skip the intermediate clip, and um, yeah, that was that was getting that you're wasting a little energy clipping what I considered a bolt that didn't need to be clipped. Yeah, exactly. And then once we got past that, 
there was another moment where, and I think that this is all podcast stuff that we've learned over the years from from you and you, you and your your guests, Chris. Is, is um, I said to Ziggy, let's go for a walk. And uh, after one of the more frustrating, so close, so close, but fell. And I said, we need to go for a walk. So we actually went for a walk for 45 minutes round to another crag and had a bit of a look at some of the some of the routes over there and walked back and boom, he sent it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that can be so powerful. I think so. Yeah, like um, – this, like I said, the 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 relationship with your belay, and you've got this, and I'm watching you, and and knowing where to give slack, and um, it's it is powerful, and and it's a it's, a, it's the lessons and journeys that that you learn over time, but they're accelerated by by the media, like that we can get from things like your book. Um, and and the podcast there's just so much information. Um, one of my favourites, one of my, one of my favourites is the the second try send. It's like I keep listening to that over and over. It's great. Yeah, that's a great tactic to have, you know. And I think all of these things, like Ziggy, you hit on it when you talked about you have to, you know, kind of get your legs back under you, and you have to you know, get into the right mindset. And these are things that when you're climbing at a level that's really difficult for you, you have to re, you know, re-up every time you go out to that route when it's been, it might be five, six, seven days in between. It might be a month in between, you you know, your attempts. Whereas these pro climbers who who get to focus their entire life on that route when it's in its best conditions, you know, they, they may not have to go through those steps and it's really easy to forget that, I think. So the, the weekend warriors perspective has to be a little different and to keep those things in mind and have the partners that are, you know, willing to say, Hey, take a step back. Let's go take a walk around the corner and have a look at some other things and, you know, take your mind off this frustrating attempt you just had. But yeah, there's two things that you mentioned, Chris. One, and, and that Al touched on as well, was the, the partner thing is like super important. I felt really comfortable climbing with Al and he's been a big part of my climbing. And I always feel like really safe climbing with him. Um, yeah, he's got like the right level of safety for me and he's really, you know, a great relayer and a great climbing partner. And the other thing is, is around conditions. And like, if you're just, you know, if you are a weekend warrior, you're just getting on the route anyway, right? Even if it's bad conditions, but that's kind of, um, you know, got its own problems. It's got its own advantages and disadvantages. One that you're going to try it, even if it's bad conditions. And so you're going to get better at climbing at it, even if it's like crap conditions. But the other thing is it's going to be harder to send it because, because of that reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's, the whole point of the book was just to point out all these intangible things that are, you know, hard to, hard to attach to. And people get into this mode where they think, oh, I've trained all this time. I I can go out and just do the thing, you know, but, but there's so many intangibles that are, 
that are in play all the time. So it's so cool that you found each other as partners and you know, that you're, even though you've moved away now, Ziggy, it's, it's great that you guys can get together sometimes and go out and climb and that you have those experiences. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was just up this way actually uh, a couple, few weeks ago visiting and checking out the local areas and uh, you'll get a couple of good sessions. Actually, we, we, we found you a new project, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't think I'll be able to buy you as many times on this one, but it'll cost me a lot of money in, in, frequent, in, in flying miles. <laughs> Al, I think you, you kind of bumped up against, you know, at the beginning of this season, the idea of you have to put in a little time after coming off a hard training cycle, you know, you, you were really dedicated to your training and then you get outside and it might take a few days, a few, a few attempts to kind of get your legs back under you. Yes, I did. Um, so just before, so I, I signed up for a, um, a proven plan um, with an idea that I would tuck myself away all of summer and get stronger because I, I was trying this route that I bolted myself um, that was really hard for me. And so um, funnily enough, the day I was going to pull the drawers off it because it was all getting too hot out on the project, something happened and, and somehow I sent. It wasn't so pretty, but I sent. It was because you signed up for the proven plan. That's, <laughs> a, that's what did it. So anyway, yeah. So... Um, Chris was asking me during the plan, what, what goals do you have? And I was sort of like thinking to start with, I was send, send the Hell's Bells project. But anyway, I just said, well, I want to send some more hard routes. And so I started working very hard at the proven plan and, and felt the gains. But as soon as I touched the rock again, it was amazing. I, I struggled to get up a very low grade warm up climb and I, I started mm-hmm. freaking out somewhat and then <laughs> but I did remember that there was some talk about um, it'll take some time be patient um, and it, it kind of took a little longer than I thought but um, um, it does happen it does come back to you the movement and the flow and clipping bolts and um, and I managed to just recently send uh, another 512b um, so the season started finally. It's been quite humid and wet, but um, the last part of autumn hasn't been too bad for us. And, um, well, we're still in autumn, aren't we? But um, looking forward to a good season of, of, uh, of climbing here in Sydney and the Blue Mountains. Did you just do that grade conversion in your head that quickly? <laughs> um, I guess so, because... I, I do. I do sort of look at a bit of American media, and so I'm constantly flipping, flipping the the, the grades backwards and forwards to to myself. Yeah, I can tell you in French grades, but not in. <laughs> it was like seven B, seven B or seven B plus, right? In French grades, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven B. <laughs> Is it twenty seven? 512B here, depending on which list you look at, is 25. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this and, you know, working with me to schedule and organize this thing halfway around the world. 
And I'm so happy that I got to meet you both over there. And I hope that I see you both again at some point uh, in the nearer than later future. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I might actually, uh, I might have to take a trip over there one day. You let me know when you're here. I will show you around. Likewise, Chris. Yeah, like it, it was really nice to meet you in person, you know, at that time, and and kind of feel like it's it's cool. It's cool that I've been able to like maintain that friendship over over the internet. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's, and it's so great. I have to say, Al, when you came up here, you were like, I think it was definitely the training was definitely working. You were like a machine. It was it was impressive to see. Yeah, Al. Al is a machine. <clears throat> he is. A, yeah, I'm always impressed by how quickly he puts projects down, whereas uh, it always takes me so much longer. <laughs> he is a machine. I just, um, I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow, three reasons why soft grades matter. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles.